Hey there! Did you know Kroger always gives you savings and rewards on top of our lower-than-low prices? And when you download the Kroger app, you'll enjoy over $500 in savings every week with digital coupons. And don't forget fuel points to help you save up to $1 per gallon at the pump. Want to save even more? With a Boost membership, you'll get double fuel points and free delivery. So shop and save big at Kroger today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the J360 Monster Fest here on J360 How's it going, J360 Legion? Welcome back to the J-Man Show, part of the J360 Monster Fest 2019. I'm your host, J-Man, or, you know, J for short. And guess what? We are here, episode 120! Or, why does it say 121? I guess I kind of jumped the gun. Hey, whatever. (laughs) All I know is, we're just going up until the daylight comes back. But, you know, this is a great time. I mean, here I try to do these shows close to the midnight hour if I can, and I'm a little early on that, too. But, you know, it is what it is. Matter of fact, we're making up some good time for yesterday. I know yesterday had the big premiere of AEW, and it also had, um... I had a lot of things to do last night, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw another vampire movie not too long ago. We're gonna try to delve into some of the lore. It's a lot. It is a lot studying vampires, man. Not to say it isn't interesting, it's just... (sighs) And now I really hate the Twilight books. (laughs) Or that whole franchise. But man, like, when you really think about it, if you utilize vampirism right, they can really tell a convincing story. A lot of conflict here, a lot of conflict there. And once again, it makes you wonder, you know, are they really evil? Because, I mean, they're pretty much trying to survive. I mean, it's kind of tortured to be a vampire. And, you know, you can't look any further at vampires without looking at the main dude himself. You know, Dracula. Now, considering which version of Dracula you looked into, whether it was the original Bram Stoker's Dracula book, or it was the stage play, the cartoon. Yeah, there was a cartoon. And even the movies that we're going to talk about today here on the Monster Fest. You know, the Universal movies really do stand out. Like, regardless of what anybody tells you, without those movies, you know, gothic horror kind of wouldn't be as strong as it is, you know? Because those those movies really represent it. And like I've said many times, it's not just the, what we're used to. Like, I mean, when you think of vampires, you probably think of a lot of sex, and you probably think of, you know, biting girls on the neck, or biting dudes on the neck. Let's be honest, that happens a lot, too. 
Um, matter of fact, I think Anne Rice alone completely reinvented the genre. And I know of a independent ar- uh, artist, author, who's actually taking it by storm. Shout out to Mina Ramey. I'm just saying, you know, when it gets right down to it, vampires are pretty much hip, man. Now, now, before some of you werewolf fans start to get annoyed by that, relax. You're important, too. We'll get to you in the Monster Fest as well. After all, I got multiple weeks ahead. But, you know, like I said, looking at Dracula sometimes, I I sympathize with him a little bit, you know, because in some way he's kind of trying to survive, depending on the version I saw, you know. And and the version that I really, really, I really identify with, I would say, is the Gary Oldman version. You know, that was pretty good. It was it was definitely based off the book, and you managed to get all the gist of it, and Francis Ford Coppola is one of the best directors of all time. Though, you know, his daughter Sophia is pretty good on her own right, but that's the basis for another episode. But if you've ever had the chance or stumbled upon that film, you should really look at it. But let's bring it back home. Let's bring it back home. Now, Universal's 1931 classic, Dracula with Bela Lugosi, Man, that guy cemented the role. You know, only few things that kind of, you know, I I didn't notice this before because I guess I was like really, really young when I saw it. There was no biting in this film. You know, I don't know whether it hurt the film or helped the film. You know, as a filmmaker right now studying it, it actually worked because, you know, it was subtext. Like, let's, let's be real. In the 30s, you know, even showing kneecap or a little ankle is considered taboo in those times. So, you know, they really couldn't show you too much. But they showed you enough about him being evil enough to manipulate and to utilize different film techniques in there to show how powerful he is. And when they would fade out every time he would get close to doing the action, it did sell. I mean, especially when you're sitting there late at night and you're just watching the whole thing play out to you. Like, it it worked for each and every sequence that he showed up in, especially when he started utilizing his hypnotic power and his gaze at them, because, you know, everything would be silhouette, and then you just saw those eyes, and Bela Lugosi could just really stare deep into your soul. You you know what I'm saying? Now, some of y'all out there know that he had a pretty good successor in the role, but I'm just saying, throughout all of this, like, if you know the story of Dracula, like, you know, you you see, sometimes it's either Jonathan Harker or it's uh, Renfield. They go to his home, and then they go ahead and talk over leasing a, a you know a dilapidated house in London because originally it was the start of Dracula trying to utilize world domination. Once again, it depends on which one you you know which part of the lore you know of. But let's just say for this sake, it was world domination because they based it off the stage play more so than the actual book. So while while keeping him in his home. You know, the brides came up out of nowhere and kind of messed with uh, Renfield a little bit. And then eventually, Renfield does stumble upon and see that his host is actually of the Nosferatu brand. And by doing so, <laughs> Dracula managed to get a little a little manipulation, a little bite out of him. Now, keep in mind this. Some of the things that, if you've ever watched some horror comedy in your time, you probably remember Dracula Dead and Loving It, which is a damn funny film. You can see that they've taken several liberties from this movie into that movie, too. Especially with the character of Renfield, played famously in this movie, but also played famously by Peter McNichol in the horror comedy. 
And, you know, it, it actually makes sense. It's like, if you really think about it, take it with a serious grain of thought, you look at it, it's like, yeah, I see where they had the idea for this now. And Leslie Nielsen was perfect to emulate Bela Lugosi. So I will say that. But as soon as you saw, like, the manipulations and then, like, when Dracula turns into a bat, this is the most that people would probably remember about the Dracula lore. And when he turned to a Batman, that did not stop him. He didn't just utilize the bat form to get away. He manipulated and went after people and everything else. And he was hypnotizing Renfield, made him fall out, and then he changed back to normal, and he was about to bite him. Of course, they had to fade that out. And you'd be surprised why they fade that scene out. It wasn't because that he was going to bite him. It was because they were afraid of the homoerotic subtext. My, how times have changed. You know, the same subtext is going to be in Dracula's Daughter, too, which is the sequel to this film. And I thought about that. I was like, you know, I can understand their fears, but at the same time, vampires really don't care. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Blood is blood, and doing it is doing it. But, you know, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But you see, as soon as they um, the scene changed, and then, you know, Renfield became his eyes and ears. And you see, Renfield doesn't feast on, you know, the the blood and the jugulars for any of the ladies or anything. No, he doesn't. Matter of fact, he wants the life force of smaller creatures. Of creatures that annoy the living hell out of us. Of creatures that, you know, when the season changes, we're happy because at least those little bastards die. Yes, he loves to eat the creepy crawlies, the bugs. All the insects that he can help himself with. And needless to say, I thought, I thought it was pretty convincing with Renfield. I mean, you can make a pretty good side story out of him. And it was there a little bit, because eventually, like, you know, they were on the boat. The crew the crew members of the boat that were carrying the casket of Dracula and, well, another casket, too, because he was going to go find himself another bride. Even though he had two in this film. I think he had two. Or, no, no, yeah, he had two. And, no, he had three, didn't he? Yes, yes, this is where the classic three brides came from. Man, he's a pimp. Always has been. I mean, what with that cape and everything else and loving red liquid? I mean, damn right he's a pimp. I, I really, I'm telling you. But, you see, he had a he had a casket for a companion, too. So, and it was filled with the soil of his Transylvanian land, because, you know, he has to preserve his power. Which is another thing that a lot of different, um... Creators either look at and say, is it necessary to put the soil of the vampire in the casket, or is it necessary to, you know, just have the casket? Sometimes they forget that little subtext. But um, as soon as he arrives in England, you know, he stumbles upon, you know, Dr. Stewart, who actually takes Renfield into the sanitarium because he was the only one found alive on the boat and completely bonkers. (laughs) And as soon as they find him, He's over there, and then you see it. Ironically, you can tell this is because of plot. The house that Dracula leased from Renfield actually is right next to where Dr. Stewart's estate is. And, of course, Dr. Stewart has, like, two two women around him, his daughter Mina, and his... You know, they never really specified what Lucy was. was Lucy was, like, just his ward or something like that, they said at least in the book and the stage play, because sometimes she's either portrayed as a niece or a cousin. It, it's one of those things that you can either take liberties with or whatever you want. But you see, the thing is, is that, but you see, in other circumstances, Lucy usually has the bigger rack than Mina. Just saying. In this movie, however, not so much. Both of them were pretty much just 
you know, ordinary socialites enjoying the stage play. And then Dracula comes along, manipulates the work, managed to get the managed to get Dr. Stewart away from the ladies. Of course, Jonathan Harker is there. He is our hero at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a, a big hero at that. He's very snobbish. And then, of course, you see Dracula come in there, introduce himself, seduce in the way that he knows how to seduce. I gotta admit this. If any of y'all are lacking in your pimp game, watch how Bella Lugosi does it. Even if it's the 30s, and even if, you know, some of the women that you know probably won't know what the hell you're talking about, but he had swag, man. And he went in there, and he just pretty much made Jonathan just be like, oh, 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 you, you like him then, huh? You you think he he's charming? You know, I could be charming. It's like, dude, you're already engaged to Mina. I mean, just just chill, man. You know what I mean? If your game is right, you ain't got to worry about nobody. But you see old Dracula, he had him marked right where he wanted him. Because as soon as Lucy went to bed that night, a big-ass bat just flew in that window and decided to come near where she was. And, well, you know, the screen fades out. And as soon as the screen fades out, Dracula did the bite. You know, I always wondered this. Does, does Dracula, you know... That, never mind, never mind. <laughs> we we like to assume that he does the bite. If anything else, you know, he he needed the nourishment, and Lucy needed another waking to live. And eventually she did get that. And then, you know, like... um, See, sometimes the movies that I watch tend to differ on this stuff, too. Because, uh... It's like, does she immediately become a vampire afterwards? Or does it, like, after two or three days? It's usually different, you know. But for this movie's sake, she did die even though, like, of of blood loss and stuff. She was sick first, and then they tried to give her some transfusions. Van Helsing was there because, you know, condensed form. So he was there and found out the little marks on her neck, in addition to, like, so many transfusions they gave her, and she still died. So, and Van Helsing knowing about what vampires do and how they operate, nobody wants to pay attention to him because this is still the beginning of that movie, so nobody wants to believe that there's a vampire on the loose, but he has a suspicion of who it is. And the way they set this up was pretty clever, because you know the vampire was going to strike again. And you see, at this point, I think Jonathan, um, Jonathan was to defend Mina. Of course, at the same time, it's like, you know, what What if it happens to her, right? Which we pretty much know it's going to. Because the old Dracula came back and he, you know, he just needed another bite and he just couldn't help himself. So, yeah, he found his way. But then, of course, you know, Mina was walking amongst in the night, too. So, you know, it's like, hey, how, 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 not Mina, not Mina, Lucy. These notes are trash, man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, Lucy's walking around at night, nobody want, no, everybody's like, no, 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 you're supposed to be dead, and then, of course, you know, Van Helsing's like, hmm, yeah, here, here we go, let me, you know, we're gonna handle that right now, we're gonna make sure her soul rests in peace, and then Harker's like, what, what do you mean? But you see, see that, that mark right there? Here, hold this stake. Bang! <laughs> and, of course, you know, we don't really see that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's implied. Because, you know, you don't want to show too much uh, violence at this time. But it's implied that's how they taking care of the vampires. You know, you got to stake them. I-, I thought originally, though, you got to put, like, roses in their mouth and then cut their head off into the sunlight or something. Like it- it's-, it's a lot. But I know this, though. If you use the sun against them, that, that works, too. 
And while we did get rid of Lucy and Lucy goes back to, you know, her resting place, which is what I'm saying. She, she's already dead at this point. Dead, dead. Let's just say dead, dead. But however, Dracula went ahead and looked at Mina and said, yeah, I'm going to bite your neck. And he already bit her once. And I think he's just teasing at this point because he's like two steps ahead, whereas everybody else is like three steps back. Except that Van Helsing is really on his trail, but nobody's listening to Van Helsing at this point. Even though the answers are like right there in front of him. And that's just a common theme in these horror movies, you know? Like usually when you see like the certain character that knows everything, he, apparently two people either have to be either A, horribly maimed, or that close to dying, or already dead, because that hindsight has to take place. And you see what happens when Mina is bitten. So, she started wearing a shawl and everything else. Felt weak, but, you know, she's, she's still not nowhere near transforming. And it's not implied in this film, but it's like Dracula's captivated by her beauty and wants to make her into his companion. So, you know, it's, it's not as deep as with, like, Lucy. Lucy's kind of like the first lay, if you really think about it. No offense to those of you that get offended by this stuff. Actually, yeah, offense. Go ahead, yeah, take it. Take it the way you want to. I'm still going to be here. <laughs> so the way that he went ahead and handled that is like, hmm, hey, Mina, hold out your hand, said Van Helsing. So she holds out her hand, and then Van Helsing puts the crucifix in there, and then, bang, we know that she's becoming a vampire. And then with that being done, you see, like, everybody else is like, oh, my God, what has happened? It's like, it's the same that happened a few minutes ago. I mean, let, let's be real. Think about it. Jonathan, you were there. Lucy was trying to attack you. You know, he popped up with the crucifix, made her run back into the crypt. Remember? That happened a while back, you know? So, as that happened, <laughs> as that happened, it, it, it's amazing that it takes him this long to finally figure it out. But, you know, guess who decides to visit him around this certain time? After they started setting up and saying, the vampire will come back again to bite Mina. So, let's be prepared. Let's set a trap. So, they set a trap. And then, old Drac comes right in to go ahead and visit him. And this was foolish on his part, you know, because he was really, really smart villain at this point. Uh, of course, I, I will go ahead into the part with Renfield showing up saying that, you know, you should keep me away because I'll call Dracula. I am Dracula's liaison. They, they don't know that, but he was saying that sort of thing. So I'm just throwing that in there because it becomes redundant with that. And of course, it's like a little bit of comedy bits between him and Martin. He's like the lighter form of the movie at this point, whereas Dracula is just doing his job. And you see, when Dracula came to visit, Van Helsing was right there, too. And you see, Van Helsing had a mirror. And you see, as soon as he was talking to uh, Mina and Dr. Stewart, the thing is, they didn't notice that what Jonathan and, Hint and Van Helsing noticed. There was no reflection. So when there's no reflection, pretty much you're dealing with an Osferatu. So, <laughs> as soon as they were done having the conversation... Everybody who left the room, Van Helsing stood there and said, uh, It's very peculiar, Drac uh, Count Dracula. You, you see, when I open up this mirror here, take a look. And then Dracula looked at the mirror and like, damn, he was pissed. Picked up the mirror, <laughs> slapped it out of his hand. And, oh, man, it was a good standoff between the two that would be the best arch enemies in literary uh, horror. Next to, um, you know, depending on who you talk to. Kind of like uh, Dr. Frankenstein and his monster, which we'll get to later in the Monster Fest. But you see, the way they had that standoff with each other, and you see Dracula tried to manipulate him a little bit, but Van Helsing had one hell of a strong will. 
and like vampires I, for some reason you know it's like i don't know if it's plot armor or it's the fact that you know he just knows everything and he's so obsessed with him i guess it's just the way that they had that standoff and that conversation between them. If you ever look up the clip for this film, look up Van Helsing versus Dracula. I mean, guarantee it. You'll you'll be like, wow, this is really good. And this is a 30s movie. So when they had that standoff, he knew who he was. He had him dead to rights. Dracula pretty much had to go away because had to recharge his power and everything. Man, he managed to get past him so quick. Took off as a wolf to get away. And then at that point, you know, they were going to set up another trap again. With Mina as the bait. I'm sorry for those of you that think there's no strong female lead. The fact that Mina is pretty much fighting for her life right there, that makes a strong female lead. And all the different incarnations of Mina, she is the strong female lead. Think about it. If you got to go ahead and ensnare and trap a man in so many ways, how do you do it? Feminine wills. And if you're that, you know, person of interest to the villain... You're already the biggest weakness that person has. Think about it. It happens in stories all the time. Especially in this one. So, of course, you know he was going to come back for Mina anyway. Take her back to the castle that he... Well, not the castle. Take her back to the um, abbey that he uh, leased out. Uh, Of course, you know Renfield followed them. And Renfield led the people right to where the abbey was. (laughs) And then, you know, that part from Dracula Dead and Loving It where, like, he threw him down the steps and everything. That's where they took this move, that scene from in the movie. Because he threw Renfield down the steps and Renfield did die out. But, you know, he didn't really care for Renfield anyway. Renfield was the, like the biggest pawn in this movie. And by doing so, you know, he was getting weaker by the time. Taking Mina, put Mina in her coffin so that she will become a vampire just like him. And then you see Dracula had to rest up. So pretty much this is where we get to that anticlimactic moment. So they managed to find him. She was becoming a vampire, but you see Van Helsing was there, had a stake, paled, bang it right into Dracula's chest, you know, and then Dracula's gone. Of course, we never see him get impaled in this movie. So as he's banging, he's dead, and he's just, that's just it. The movie went off right then and there with Jonathan and Mina embracing Later on, they picked this up with a, a sequel of Schwartz. The only se- person that came from the original in the sequel was Van Helsing. And even then, he didn't play a big role in it. It dealt with his apprentice. And it was kind of more of the same, except that the vampire was a female this time. And it was Dracula's daughter. Hence the title, Dracula's Daughter. And, you know, I liked the film. I thought it was pretty, pretty decent. It's just that, you know, she doesn't have the same... She has the sexiness. But she doesn't have like the same vampiric manipulation skill set her father does. And as she really shouldn't, because she's a tragic figure. She wanted to get rid of the curse of Dracula. She wanted to burn Dracula's remains completely so that she could be free from it. But, you know, it, it just ain't going to happen. She is his child, so she's going to have his abilities and everything. She just wasn't so good with it. And she also had a... You know, a handyman next to her, similar to Riff Raff, who pretty much was like, you know what? You just gonna have to give in to your legacy. You are evil and be about being evil. That's all you need to be. So, you know, the first, like, let's say we can go ahead and thirds. The first third of this movie was her trying to repel it. The second part of the movie is where she actually becomes. And then the third part, she ain't coming back. Matter of fact, she wanted her therapist in the movie who was actually the apprentice of Van Helsing, to go ahead and give in to her. 
Now, he had the strong will and everything, but there was just something about him that was a little off, too. And she tried to use his secretary to get to him. And keep in mind, I have not seen so much lesbianist subtext since The Vampire Lovers, which was pretty damn good. A Hammer Horror film from the 1970s. And pretty much takes the same plot of this movie, but them two, them two vampires were sexy. <laughs> but in this movie, however, you know, you, you can see it right there. And they said, well, that was the basis of this movie we're trying to make. So even back in the day, they were trying to push the envelope a little bit. But in, in the end, you know, she uh, she got killed in the most anticlimactic way because her handyman betrayed her. Took out his bow and arrow, shot her right in the heart with it, and then fell dead. Van Helsing looked at her and says, yep, she was beautiful the 10,000 years ago which she lived. And it was like, she lived 10,000 years? It's whatever. It's one of them things. It's kind of like when you look at Invisible Man and you see Invisible Woman. And Invisible Woman pretty much had nothing to do with Invisible Man. I mean, think about it. Look at look at it. Look it up sometime with Universal Horror. It was actually part of the canon, but it was more of a comedy film instead of a horror film. So, you know, it's just one of them kind of things. And so, you know, you just take it the way it was. Continuity was just negative at this time. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things you look at. It's like, mm, let's just carry on. And, you know, I was like, fine. Here comes Son of Dracula, which apparently he had a son. And it was played by Lone Chaney Jr., which originally his father was actually supposed to be the original Dracula before Bela Lugosi, but he passed away. And I, I thought that was some pretty good, you know, pretty good behind-the-scenes uh, information about it. But at least for this, like, you know, when I watched this movie, I thought Son of Dracula was just meh. Because, you know, if anything, it was just a cockoid story with vampires. That That's all it was. Because the woman in the movie was a lot more evil, or eviler, than the vampire himself. And he was supposed to be Count Alucard, the, quote, son of Dracula, but turns out that he was actually just Dracula in general. No explanation why. Probably didn't need it because it was 1934. But at the same time, it was like, the whole thing dealt with the guy, who, the cuckooid guy whose name is Frank in this movie. Frank pretty much was just like, he. Frank was just like a male punk, man. I mean, if anything else, like, nobody liked him. Yet, we're supposed to follow him because, in a way, we're supposed to feel for him because his girlfriend manipulated him and, and said that, oh, I'm with Count Alucard. And she gets married to him. Gets married to Count Alucard. He goes to confront them. He has his gun. He's ready to shoot Count Alucard just to get his girl back. And then, all of a sudden, little did he realize that bullets pass through him, go into her. <laughs> so he ends up killing the object of his affection I, I just thought it was hilarious because it was like it was at that point it's like all right mm, whatever and, and then all of a sudden you know it becomes this he, he he bit her on the neck to give her immortal life so she's alive again but then she goes to frank and she says frank look i don't love alucard I married him, yes, but it was only for immortality. I knew he was a vampire the whole time. And it was like, the hell is this? And then, you know, <laughs> it, it gets laughable at this point because it's like, there's really no plot to go on. Now I want to root for Alucard to win. And then it turns out that the people that were going to stop Alucard, they managed to capture, they managed to get in touch with Frank. They thought Frank was doing the murdering. And it turns out that Frank wasn't. We all knew that. But you see, 
then then it turns out that Count Alucard is not Alucard. He's actually Count Dracula. No specification on how he came back. It, and then at the end, he got killed because Frank burnt his coffin, and then that just wiped him out. And then, of course, the woman that they were both fighting over, she was already dead at this point. It was just, it didn't lead anywhere, man. And then Lone Chaney Jr. did the best he could. It just, you know, much like the third creature from the Black Lagoon movie that I was telling you about, The Creature Walks Among Us, it's like, you could go in so many different areas, but in that third, this particular third one, I did not like it. I just thought it was just, it was trash. But luckily, though, the Count himself, in real form, does come back, and other forms, such as, like, the Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein movie, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. I haven't mentioned those movies yet because we're going to talk about them in the end. But it's just like, huh. You know, this is the trilogy set of Universal Dracula movies. However, you know, they do get better because this is the one time where the remakes actually make a difference. Because when Hammer Horrors started their film canon of all of the classic monsters, they could look no better than Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee was just like that next level, kind of like when you got like Sean Connery, James Bond, and you got Roger Moore, James Bond, you know, you, you see what I'm saying? That's kind of what those two were like for Dracula. Like Bella Lugosi gave you an idea and a picture of what Dracula is, but you see Christopher Lee came along and cemented it. And you saw him in action. You saw his powers. You saw him bite people. And it's just, like, to compare the two, it's just, uh, it's it's hard to do. And, I mean, I love all the Christopher Lee Dracula, so I'm not even going to take time to even, you know, dissect them. They, they They were just brilliant films. And then, like what I mentioned before about the vampire lovers, if you are into, you know, seeing certain things, that, that movie actually touches it. I mean, there there's moments in there where it's corny, and you got to give it up sometimes. Like, sometimes in a horror movie, we want to see just the creatures and what they do, and what actually causes the creatures to run amok. Same thing with Blackula. Like, a lot of people love Blackula 1, but they don't really talk about Scream Blackula Scream that much. And even though they were both good classic films. It's just like, you know, when you when you look at certain things, you see like where all the actions take place, all the sex, all the everything just right, you know? And then like the, the humans that are involved in it, they're not necessarily good people. And you want them to die. And then you look at the monster and it's like, hey, you resurrected the monster, so sucks to be you, right? One of them kind of things. But that's why I love vampire films. But you see, here's a here's another thing, right? Don't just look at Twilight and say, oh, I'm done with vampires. You could probably do a great vampire film yourself. And see, like, there's so much to it. I can't, you know, talk about it all in a 45-minute show. So, but go ahead and tell you what my top five are. All right. Number five, Blade. Number four, John Carpenter's Vampires. Number three, From Dust Till Dawn. Sam Hayek as a queen vampire. Think about it. Go watch it. Number two, Lost Boys. Number one, my all-time fave, even if it had a crap remake. Fright Night. Matter of fact, Jerry Dandridge is another one that could give Count Dracula himself a run for his money. Those movies are just great. I mean, even his sister Regine in the second one, because she almost got Charlie. Like, if you ever look at the classic one and two of Fright Night, you, you'll, you'll probably be like, oh my god, this is, this is the centerpiece here. 
But I love the first one a lot better than the second one, for obvious reasons. Because, you know, it was more like the boy who cried wolf in a scenario. (laughs) You know, he, he tried his best to not even, you know, he didn't even want to get involved for a while. But then he heard, like, that hooker scream... And then he looked over at the neighbor's house and he was like, nah, I'm going to keep an eye on what's going on over there. Into which he did. But you see, Jerry Dandridge is just doing what he got to do to survive. And (laughs) I'll never, I'll never forget the scene where he, you know, he was happy because he had like, he had the cross and everything and he had his whole room decked out and shielded thinking, yeah, the vampire can't come here. Not unless I invite him in or my, but little did he realize this, he lived with his mom. He lived with his mom, and his mom invited the neighbor over for a drink. And who was the neighbor? The vampire next door. Like, the way they had that set up, that was just awesome. If you haven't seen Fright Night, what are you waiting for? As a matter of fact, you can put me on pause and go watch that right now and then come back. I would delve into it, but it's just it's one of them things you have to experience. Matter of fact, so are the other four films. And who doesn't know Blade at this point? As a matter of fact, that's what a lot of y'all were really excited about for the longest time. Matter of fact, going going down the line and looking into these vampire films have inspired me to go ahead and do some writing for a pretty successful film. Like I said, sometimes I'm not worried about franchising. I'm more or less just concerned about getting a good one made. And we can bring them back to that point. Matter of fact, Underworld. The first three. No, no, four was okay. Four was okay. I don't know what the hell they were doing with the other two. And then, of course, you got I, Frankenstein. but But still... You know, are we ever going to get a definite conclusion to all of that? Or are we going to have another reboot? Something to think about. But other than that, that's the that's a pretty good love story right there. You know, Underworld. Other than, you know, but if some of y'all like that Twilight stuff, that's your bag. But the real stuff with the real vampires, the real werewolves, that's something you got to delve into. And then any of the Anne Rice books, like Interview with a Vampire, that's a damn fine film and a damn fine book. Anything with Lestat. You know, so I recommend those, but we're getting close to that end. So let me go on ahead and think this. Actually, hold up. It's almost that time, isn't it? Ah, the J360 Monster Fest gaming recommendation. Okay, for those of you that choose to accept this mission, this is a retro game. I don't know if it's delisted or whatever. It's probably not because Capcom needs the money. Your gaming recommendation this week is Darkstalkers Resurrection. Yes, the classic fighting series. It's like Street Fighter with monsters. And you know Morgan, that witchy woman that... No, she's not a witch. She's a succubus. But the thing is, is that that witchy woman that you see in all the Marvel vs. Capcom games. Yes, that is her series. It is woefully ignored by Capcom for some stupid reason. But if you ever take a chance to want to partake in it, Fire up your PS3s or your Xbox 360s. Yeah, I know I'm asking a lot for some of y'all. Fire them up. Go find that game. It's only $14.99 as far as I know. Download it. Play the hell out of it. Which is ironic because that game was pretty successful. I was waiting for years for a Darkstalkers game. And managed to finally get one. And bought into it. Capcom was saying, oh, we're going to look at the sales and see what we do here. And everybody liked it. You know, it had 90 96% 96% on one website, and then on the other website, it was like 86% on Media Critic. So, you know, that's success right there. But according to them, oh, well, it wasn't enough of what we wanted. So, yeah, we're sitting here without a Darkstalkers. 
But then again, when you know Samurai Showdown came back, right? And that's SNK, I know. But see, a lot of other franchises are coming back. Maybe then they'll probably say, you know what? Let's just take the risk. But then again, I <laughs> what's probably going to happen is they're going to go ahead and make costumes out of those characters, put them in the Street Fighter 4 or 5, and just say, hey, that's as good as it's going to get for you, pal. But, as I say, that's your gaming recommendation for this week, Darkstalkers Resurrection. And I don't know if the online servers are still up, but maybe I need to take a look at that myself. Because if they are, hey, let's get a couple of rounds in, huh? Other than that, though, uh, what else do I have for you guys tonight? Actually, that's about right. Yeah, I don't have anything else, y'all. Because that's what I was looking into, other than the vampire lovers last night. And, whew, I think that shows a I think that needs to be reviewed on a whole different show in general. You know, J360 Radio Live, maybe. Uh, but, hey, I've also seen a couple of other things that were not so good. I've seen some things on the Monster Fest that were just, like, weird. You know, not the weird with a good story. Not the weird with the horror elements that keep you interested. It was more like WTFs. As a matter of fact, it was called The Night of Schlock. And we're going to see some movies. Well... I should say, see that on J360 TV. But we're going to talk talk about some of these ugh, terrible films on the next episode, which is episode 122. Yeah, it'll be called Schlock Night, and man, just come in, get a barf bag. It's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about, and it, 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 it'll, it'll just be like, ugh, no, 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 no. I can't believe you sat there and watched that. I'm like, shoot, I can't believe I'm sitting here giving you the analysis. But other than that, though, the Monster Fest is still going strong. I'm sure some of you saw this little sneak peek I had for, like, J360 TV regarding it. So, you know, you never know. You might get something unique next week. I'm just saying. (laughs) But you'll just have to stay tuned until then. Uh, So you all take care of yourselves from here on out. And by the way, if you have any sort of recommendations... You know, feel free to email them to me or send them to me on Twitter at J360 Productions. I mean, I'll be happy to hear about like certain things that you have to say. Uh, we still have the voicemail up for the hotline. If you guys want to drop a line, you know, that'll be 240-903-1634. Be always there to hear what you guys got to say in the J360 Legion. But I've already talked to you off enough. And well, shoot. I'm finishing good time. You all take it easy until then. We'll be back with another episode next week, okay? Laters.